0: welcome to what's left to do i'm your host janelle we're gonna hear from another pk this week back-to-back episodes with christians yeah (laughs) Micah is a lovely Lutheran, best known for the work he does over at Jacobin Magazine as deputy editor. But Micah's journey to Jacobin was a winding road. He was first drawn to the punk scene as a teenager before disillusionment set in. And we almost lost him to academia before that fell away too. are back back in chicago hot ass chicago i love it <clears throat> don't let these very watery pores fool you uh and <laughs> and who are we sitting with today well um some might call him a writer's writer some <laughs> might call him an egalitarian editor uh <laughs> <laughs> Keep it going. Let's go. Yeah, what else you got? Yeah, <laughs> oh my god! Off the top of my head, i be. Mean, I sometimes have <laughs> to practice before I do this, and I did not do that on the way here. That's really my bad. Uh, we have another man from the Midwest. Uh, we got we got Micah in the house today. How are you doing, Micah?
1: I'm good. Thanks for
0: having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. All right. Uh, we had a little bit of a chitty chat on the way to on the way to our recording location, but. You are from, where did life start for you, my man? Lutheran pastor. Mm-hmm.
1: And my parents are both from Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. His first church out of seminary was in Toledo, where he was there for, I think, like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he got another church in Muskegon, Michigan, which uh, I started fourth grade in Muskegon when he moved to that church. So, lived half my childhood in Toledo, mm-hmm. half in uh, Muskegon. And then the past fourteen years, with a couple small breaks, yep. uh, which we can talk about, uh, here in Chicago.
0: What was what was life like growing up in Ohio? First, like were you were you um, one of those hellish PKs? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You know they can be a little
1: hellish. I, I feel like most don't lie, PKs, don't lie. I won't lie. I'll give you the truth. Most PKs fall into either like perfect little saint angel children okay
0: none of none of <laughs> them are that <laughs> but, you uh, met. yeah no fuck no uh-huh.
1: or yeah like hell on hell on earth where of.
0: did you fall on that spectrum well so, so i'll he say about to lie. he about to lie go I, ahead I, I i have
1: no reason to lie here i i was i got into punk which we can talk about i was like a punk kid uh as a you teenager. were a punk
0: seven year old
1: not a seven year old no, no, no i'm talking
0: about zero to oh, nine don't try nine. and okay. don't try and speed up i will get <laughs> us there
1: you don't have to ask my parents. I think they, lo- they love telling stories about insane shit that I did when like? I was a kid. Well, just like, you know, just being very energetic and very like uh, talkative and like, you know, my dad preaching a sermon in the church. And then like I was like age four. So my mom loves telling the story about how all of a sudden like I like slipped out of her grasp and I like ran down the aisle of the church. And then my dad had to stop the sermon and be like, excuse me for a minute. I have to go get my son. And my mom was just
0: like, Oh, what did, what did you do anything? Did you like drop trow and like start pissing them? The best no, see, like, no. I was a good kid. You were that just kind of being thing. a hyper. Yeah. Child in yeah, church. yeah, yeah. I was, I was, that's I, not that bad.
1: I would say a lot of PKs that I have met who are those kind of hellish types mm-hmm. are rebelling against a particularly repressive environment that they might've grown up yeah. in. Uh, for me, that was never the thing because Why? my dad and my the the Lutheran tradition the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is a very progressive tradition Really? Yeah, uh my and like a very you know it's it, it, we're not talking about sending people to hell yeah. you know g- uh, gay people aren't going to hell opposition to the war in iraq mm-hmm. you know it's very strong positions in favor of immigrant rights like that kind of thing okay. so
0: what do you can do you think you can articulate what your conception as a child was of god growing up as a quote progressive evangelical lutheran i shouldn't we're, we're getting right into yeah, it yeah here. that's god right. damn. yeah <laughs> uh oh, i probably shouldn't have said that no no <laughs> <laughs> it's okay we're we're past that point uh-huh well
1: that's a really good question um it was like i said it was it was never that god was somebody who was gonna like strike you with a lightning bolt mm. if you acted naughty if mm-hmm. you had one too many cookies or if you acted wrong mm-hmm. it was never it was never like a, that kind of repressive function the mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh uh an angry god mm-hmm god um, is santa claus he's making
0: a list he's checking in twice <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah uh it was more like whatever god was i associated it with the environment of the church which was one of community ah. of lovingness mm-hmm. of like openness of uh of just of affirmation mm. of of me and the, the people around me so mm. um and you know that's that's not an accident because that kind of is the the Lutheran conception of uh-huh. God. Uh-huh. One of affirm- There's affirmatory, not that there's not a place for the angry sure, God of sure. the old Testament, you know, and that's where I think, uh, some of my, you know, politics when I became an adult mm-hmm. came from, mm-hmm. uh, the rooted in that kind of like old Testament wrathful God of justice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fighting on behalf of, uh, of, of the enslaved Israelites or whoever else. But, mm-hmm. um, in the day-to-day life it wasn't like that at all it was it was, a, it was just an affirming what it meant to follow god in my family and in my church was to like love the people around you hmm. and, and want to you know fight for social justice and and and, and be in community with each other mm.
0: did you did you understand how did you understand your the politics of your parents in light of their religiosity like did they were they were they kind of uh contradictory and and maybe a little bit of hypocritical or were they kind of you know what we might consider like mainstream liberal DNC types, or were they Republican or, you know, or apolitical? What was...
1: Yeah, it was closer to the more mainstream liberal, although I would say... It, they're a little i mean my parents are definitely liberals or even like social democrats like they voted for well which Bernie. liberals okay okay well okay. Uh, th- there's elements of both i mean I in terms you. of like you know they believe in medicare for all sure. they're you know opposed war to like pretty simple living rejecting consumerism mm. Uh, you know, living simply and, sure. and that that's that's what you know, what makes for a good life is not the accumulation of material possessions, ah. but like being in community with others. And, and that was
0: always your perception and understanding oh, of yeah. your parents yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: from the beginning. And in my dad's first church, it was in a multiracial, poor and working class neighborhood. Hmm. And they were involved in different kinds of community organizing mm-hmm. projects like sort of Saul Alinsky style organizations huh, huh, huh. and organizing around. Housing, or organizing, even just stuff like we, you know, there's an empty, abandoned lot on the corner, and we want to turn it into a playground. Like I remember that happened when I was in Toledo, Mm -hmm. or uh there's a guy you know there's a crack house on the corner Mm -hmm. like we're gonna get the neighbors together and tell them to stop selling crack Mm -hmm. which my parents always tell me was my first like protest action that they wheeled me on the in the uh stroller to this uh to to confront these crack dealers down the block so uh so yeah it was always uh there there was always that kind of um progressive bent to the the theology of the church and Mm -hmm. i think to the way the, the like interpersonal, you know, relations between mm. my parents and me and, my, and the rest of the church.
0: Hmm. Did you, did you have a, did you have an understanding of, of class growing up? Like, did you think that, did you think that you were rich? Did you think that you were poor? Did you think that basically most people grew up like me? Like, how did you, how did you think about that growing up?
1: Well, my, you know, I got to divide it between time in Toledo and time in Muskegon. Mm-hmm. In Toledo, which I was obviously pretty young. Um, I didn't have anything to really compare it to. I mean, it was just like everybody. I, I didn't think we certainly weren't poor. There were, I was never like going to bed hungry or anything like that. But we lived in a in a poor working class neighborhood in a city that has been really ravaged by the deindustrialization. Industrialization. Yep. You know, Toledo was a hub of uh, auto manufacturing and other mm-hmm. kinds of manufacturing. Um, and but I, you know, I didn't I didn't know I didn't have anything to compare it to. I mean, everybody had you know very modest houses and everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in, in hindsight, now my parents tell me stories about the stuff that was going on in the church and the kind of, you know, just dealing with-, with Like what? Poverty. Um, just like individual stories of, you know- Like oh,
0: parishioners that were on hard times. That yeah, to... or
1: like their son was now in jail because he like stole some cars the other day or mm-hmm. parishioners were uh, were on crack or uh, were on heroin or, mm-hmm. you know, other kind of hard drugs and house that was Dealing drugs across the corner from us, or across the alley from us, that my parents tell me about this FBI raid that happened, mm. or or some kind of A- ATF or somebody's mm. DEA—I don't
0: know—some
1: <laughs> dudes with guns like across the alley. Um, so yeah, that's and it, but the environment was one that was that was sort of like. Ranging from poor to working class and was multiracial, black, white, and Hispanic or black, woman, Latino.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that was just, that was, my school was the same way. So that was just like the environment that I am, grew up
0: in. Am I understanding that your environment was fairly integrated in that, like, there's not, there's not like, the poor white neighborhood over here there's not you know next to the poor latino neighborhood and way over there is the poor black neighborhood like was it was it fairly mixed like your neighborhood like can you think back to like your block like your neighbors and the people across the street
1: that was true of toledo but then when we moved to muskegon muskegon was a much whiter i mean muskegon is another Mm deindustrialized city also was uh related to auto manufacturing but also all, all kinds of other manufacturing um and that was that our church was a much more a much wider place mm-hmm. not uniformity in terms of class but there were like poor people working class people and some rich people mm-hmm. um, no rich people in toledo zero okay.
0: yeah and you how would you describe how would you describe your memories of living in toledo before you guys moved to michigan uh,
1: no you know no nothing but just affirmation of you know nothing but a warm and forming affirming environment and mm-hmm. um uh, a really like robust and vibrant church mm-hmm. and you know that was basically our whole lives mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the whole our whole lives revolved uh, around around the church mm-hmm. um and that's also true in uh, in muskegon and then mm-hmm. of course you know i said i started fourth grade in muskegon so mm-hmm. i became you know a teenager in Muskegon and Muskegon was where I was introduced to things like punk and like Hmm. radical politics and um, and went to high school and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so uh, it was it was a little more formative in that sense Mm -hmm. not that I wasn't impacted by toledo but i came of age in muskegon
0: gotcha what so describe what that transit that what that move was like and how and how like the two worlds were different
1: man nobody's ever asked me this i know (laughs) uh i remember my parents also tell me the story about when they told me we were moving and i ran up i we were in our living room on the first floor and i like took off running up the stairs Mm in my room on the second floor and i like slammed the door i was like Mm um
0: because you were sad to leave your friends this is what yeah there's no
1: kid wants to you know Move, leave yeah. where where they've been spending time and have a whole world and stuff sure um but yeah but then we moved and, and the transition i mean it was muskegon like i said the industrialized city not quite as hard hit by the industrialization as toledo mm-hmm. um had somewhat similar demographics uh but his my dad's church was almost entirely white Mm. um and the school that i went to was not uniformly white but uh you know probably 80% or 85% white did that
0: seem weird did you like it was it interesting was it fascinating like what 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 were your would think try and think back what were your ideas around kind of the different uh, social socio-racial composition in michigan
1: i mean i'm not sure how much i thought of it at the time it was just like this is what this it is, what is. I, was, okay. I was there and now you're like i certainly didn't think that like oh when i was back in toledo we were going to schools that didn't have very many resources mm-hmm. and they were falling apart which in hindsight is now true yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> i realized that was true um but you know it's just like oh, whatever i'm just here to do what i was told and then when i was you know i was in high school i mean like i had gotten into punk by that time. I was like, "Fuck school!" I don't, mm. I'm, I'm going to go read Noam Chomsky by myself. I don't. Need Why was it? A, what
0: happened to get you to fuck school?
1: It was that kind of punk attitude.
0: Who? who what? What made punk attractive to you?
1: This is a this is an important question that I should probably take up with like a therapist someday or something. I don't <laughs> you know. You
0: don't have to talk about it. if you don't want to. I just, No, no, I'm no, happy to talk about
1: it. I'm just not sure if I have the fully the answers. Sure, 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 sure. Um, we'll try because a lot of people growing up in west michigan who then made their way into punk west michigan is my dad's a lutheran pastor but it's a very dutch and dutch christian reformed uh, mm. area explain what is, that means
0: because i'm not sure that i know the difference
1: uh so the christian reformed church the crc is uh the national headquarters are based in grand rapids mm-hmm. and it's an extremely conservative uh branch of christianity and very repressive my- like
0: fundamentalist kind of
1: I would not say fundamentalist, uh, but but still very repressed and, and conservative.
0: In what way repressed? Okay.
1: Uh, my dad always described uh, people who came out of that tradition as having kind of like a wet blanket over them. What do
0: you think he means by that? Because um, I need to know that. I think I know what he means, but say it.
1: Well, there, there's like a re- there's Describe re- it. repression in all senses. Like certainly like repression when it came to things like sex and sure. being anti-gay, um, but also just like just like don't anybody who's getting too excited is yeah. like like anti
0: pleasure and enjoying yeah life. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's
1: very much that kind of calvinist yeah yeah, thesis, yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. your reward Ugh. you get pie in the sky when you die yeah like, yeah yeah no fuck that i
0: want it now <laughs> yeah
1: right mm-hmm. it's very much like the classic protestant work ethic kind of gotcha. thing and so for me like i wasn't in a, a, a church like that but like a lot of kids who i was in the punk scene with were sort of reacting to that and and punk is obviously the exact opposite right it's like sure. exuberance it's like absurdly fast and hard music and it's absurd clothes but and- if
0: you but if you weren't if you didn't have that that extremely repressive calvinist uh, uh sense of spiritual sense of spirituality and denial already beat into you why did why, why? What common ground were you finding with these knuckleheads? This is an excellent question. I've been—I I've been know—trying to figure this out. This is out what this I year. do, Micah.
1: I've been trying to like to in you know conversations with myself figure out the exact answer to this question. I'm not exactly sure why. The only thing I can come up with mm-hmm. is that. Well, I would say two things. One. I just started learning. I mean, it was through punk that I started learning about the world and how fucked up it is. Sure. Things that are going wrong in the world and you know unjust social systems and hierarchies, etc. And I was like, "Whoa, it's like really fucked up." And nobody, you know, you're still Democrats. not answering my question. You're still I'm scar- just, okay. Just, I'm getting there,
0: Micah. Lower your voice. Okay. <laughs> sorry, very sorry. Yeah. I talk like this.
1: <laughs> uh, so I learned through punk yeah, yeah. that like. That the world is really fucked up, and sure. you need radical sure. solutions to the problems that sure. were not on offer by mainstream liberalism. Sure. So that's number one. Yes. Uh, so that that kind of radicalism appealed to, mm-hmm. me. and that's built into punk, both like aesthetically and like politically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, number two, I've I I like figuring out where the sort of like like you know to go out to the edge of like human experience. Like I liked finding music that was like the fastest and the loudest Mm. and the hardest and 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 would adopt politics that was the furthest left and would result in things like radical lifestyle shifts like uh going vegan which i was a vegan for seven years Mm. like dumpster diving and then also just like you know just like we're gonna get
0: back to dumpster diving (laughs) don't think that we're just gonna zoom right on past that mister (laughs) go ahead Happy,
1: happy to talk about it but like just sort of like i i've never been somebody who sort of likes to sit at home and be sort of like conservative in my way of living but my question
0: is why
1: oh well why i have no clue that's the thing that i got to talk to the therapist. Huh, okay. i mean i really i really is it because don't it's know.
0: boring it's unfulfilling it's not interesting it's not it's not stimulating it's not it's not it's not reasonable what
1: i would say that like through punk was the first time where i really what what my dad would describe as like experiencing feelings of like ecstasy like through ah, ah. the through the like you know the loud music and the the community that was built together and the sense of like you know nobody else gets us in the rest of our life mm-hmm. but like here at the huh. show we all understand each other and we're together and we're Did like you, pumping our fists you really together.
0: felt like nobody understood you outside of punk
1: Um, not in the sense of like, "Mm, nobody understands me, you know, like not quite like that, but I was just like, well, these people get that like society's fucked up. They Mm. get that like, we all should become vegans. They get that we're all consuming too much. Mm. And so like, and, and they just get in, in general that like, this is how, you know, life is better lived this way. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, it was that through them, through that scene that I found community and, uh, and I sort of stuck to it.
0: Okay, you still don't answer my question. What I'm getting at, what I'm trying to get you to describe is what about, what about how you experience community and you experience life made that attractive? Was it just you were you're you're being bombarded by all this information, all of these images of of uh, suffering, catastrophe, mm-hmm. war? I don't know. That it was just like okay, some I have a I have a nebulous sense of like mm, something outside of myself, greater than me is like not right, not just, I don't know what the word is that you wanna use. And I'm able to like find language and, 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 and theory and uh, a, a righteousness about it in, in this punk community.
1: Yeah, I would say that's definitely true. Okay. Well, both- Michael,
0: you get on my nerves. You could have just said that. I didn't have to pull that out of you. Go well,
1: I, listen, I told you I had to I'm still going through the mental processes of figuring all this all this out. I mean, uh-huh. it's definitely a kind of a weird trajectory given that I I was not like fuck you mom and dad. I'm more like I love you mom and dad. <laughs> um they were always affirming to me, but like in punk I found this kind of experience that both had like tight community and reflected the kind of progressive values that I grew mm-hmm, up with, mm-hmm. but also was like pushing you know the limits of human experience. It's mm. Like we're gonna, we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna hmm. go to the edge with mm-hmm. this kind of, mm-hmm. this kind of music. And yeah.
0: Okay, I'm sad. The best I can do. I'm, I'm no, not. No, that's fine. I'm. We're. I might. I'm. I'm trying to find language for you on your path. But, but maybe we could. Nah. I might let you. Maybe I should pay you chill. for this no, session. So no, to get pay out the of oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You're so silly. Um. Okay. interested We're gonna get back to that. But. Were you the only child, or do you have siblings? I have one sibling. Okay. Did you? Do you think your? Did your sibling also? Was your sibling? Are you the older or the younger? Older, the two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So never mind. So they experience things very different than you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hmm. How would you? How would your parents and/or your like teachers describe you as a student when you uh, moved to Michigan?
1: I was very smart and did not have to try very hard in mm-hmm. most classes, uh-huh. and then. I proceeded to try harder not to try <laughs> in classes. Um, I was Why? just sort of, uh, because for the same reason I mentioned before about being like a punk kids, sort of fucked off. Huh. Like, you know, I could get A's in like honors English yeah. and those kind of uh, classes um, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, well, like I said, what, what, this is bullshit. What they want me to. I don't want to like learn organic chemistry. That's a waste of time. I want to read Noam Chomsky and mm-hmm. Howard Zinn, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. uh, read about animal rights or whatever. So that mm-hmm. was that was what I did instead.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you, so in I mean, just concretely, your grades were like very like average, or like would you could still just like no i mean they were they were
1: fine grades they were i think i had something like a 3.6 or 3.7 but when you graduated yeah Uh um, but i but i didn't care about school and in fact i really did not want to go to college and my dad what the
0: fuck you I, you do you act you proactively did not want to go to college. i
1: told my parents for probably several months that i was gonna refuse to go to yeah college. that wasn't
0: gonna fly why why did you why were you refusing college
1: because well, i was in particular at that moment i was uh into this anarchist publishing and uh yeah anarchist publishing project called crime think which huh. is still around and mm-hmm. publishes a bunch of books and other stuff mm-hmm. um and they had put out some books like this book called evasion Mm -hmm. it's this whole story about this guy it's a true memoir about this guy who like uh doesn't have a job and Mm -hmm. he like shoplifts and he hitchhikes and he uh rides trains like freight trains Mm -hmm. uh around the country and Mm -hmm. he's like this is this is the way to live like doing stuff and dumpster diving and that kind of thing like It's sort of anti-consumerist thing rather than uh, going to college like all the, I don't know, like that'd be too much conformity or something like Mm. that. So I had like lots of angry, my parents did not yell at me very often, but I remember uh, some very angry conversations with my parents about like whether or not I would go to college Uh and I was like refusing and my parents were like, what, why? And uh, they finally convinced me. To go uh, the sort of compromise was that i would go to aquinas college which Uh was a small liberal arts college a catholic college yeah it was 45 minutes away from muskegon in Uh grand rapids michigan Uh and that was uh really that that was something that i was willing to do because grand rapids is like the second largest city in michigan Uh after detroit and uh all through high school, I had gone to punk shows there, and I was involved in anarchist organizing there, like anti-war organizing, mm-hmm. and I, my girlfriend lived there. So I was just sort of not ready to uh, totally leave that the, the world that I had created in high school behind. So mm-hmm. I did a year and a half at Aquinas. And then of course when I got there, I'm like, oh, I love college, college oh, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think within a year I was like, actually I wanna do a PhD, which is funny huh? from somebody who didn't wanna uh, even go to college. Uh-huh. Um, and then that changed my whole mindset. And then I, you know, long story short, started falling out with the punk scene for various reasons. Oh, um, we're going to get to that over mm-hmm. a lot. A lot of it over the fact that this was essentially like a subculture that would, uh, you know, sing songs and be, you know, on paper dedicated to leftist politics. But then when we would try to organize protests mm-hmm. and stuff, people wouldn't come out for them.
0: Would it give me give me an example or explain what you mean?
1: The, well. Uh, so punk music in general, a lot of it is about you know anti-war stuff yeah. and consumerism and and just what's wrong with capitalist society. Yeah. Um, and, you know, opposition to racism, and I remember there were n- numerous instances like this, but the one that I remember most clearly was being in a punk house where I was trying to convince uh some people to drive to lansing michigan where Mm. the kkk was having a rally Mm. Mm -hmm. and i was like we gotta go there we gotta you know oppose the kkk Mm -hmm. and uh people were just like hemming and hawing and i was kind of pushing on them and then i finally remember one woman sitting on a couch saying i do my own shit i'm not i'm not involved in stuff like that i do my own shit and i was that Mm. that was like that sentiment of i do my own shit mm-hmm. uh while it's you know whatever that's what most americans think yeah, they do yeah, their yeah. own shit. Yeah. but this is a person who claimed to have these kind of leftist values uh-huh. and stuff and i was like if the kkk is coming like an hour and a half drive from here right. and you are like no, no no no, i'm gonna do my own shit yeah like that indicates a a serious sort of uh, individualism mm-hmm. individualism that is like gone and growing up in the church Whatever else you want to say about the church I grew up in, like that kind of individualism was like, eh, you know, maybe to a fault, like yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, like individualism is is sin, basically. Like, huh. like if you're obsessed with yourself, I don't yeah. know how many times I heard my dad and in, in uh, sermons preach the lines, it is not all about you. Mm. That's the voice he says <laughs> Um so like I have I, I I was raised with that, and that's always been central to me. And so then when I was starting to see like oh a lot of these other punk kids are just sort of like in, they they claim these sort of communitarian social values, mm-hmm. uh, but effectively it's it, it encourages this kind of individualism, which is really corrosive to when, us building a decent society.
0: When you when you had that encounter with the, the young lady at the punk house, did you did kind of a light bulb go off like? Oh actually I I I've, I've heard other things from other I've heard enough of this sort of sentiment from enough people on the scene that like oh this is this is way more pervasive than than the wave I thought we were on like like oh so y'all not really about it this is like an aesthetic Yeah
1: or or like yes mm-hmm. yeah it's an aesthetic it's a subculture for you and for me it was like it's fine to have a subculture I've been participating in this subculture right. for the last 6 years or whatever yeah. but like we need to get beyond the subculture to actually just, like we can't do a effective protest against the war in iraq with just the people in this podcast right, like we got to right. get some other people right, out here right uh and like that's what i'm trying to like we can be anchored in the subculture but we got to bring some more people here mm-hmm. there was just among many people not everybody certainly sure but like among a lot of people there just wasn't any uh stomach for that and mm. so as i was in my in hindsight, like trying to become more serious about mm-hmm. changing the world, that became more and more like
0: anathema to me. I got you. Okay, we're gonna. Sorry, we're jumping around a little bit. We're gonna reverse a little bit because you took us to college. Did you, when you got into the punk scene growing up, did did you make a turn from uh, like good, exuberant little Lutheran to atheist or agnostic, or or did you how, did you were you able to balance the two, square one or the other, both of them? I don't know.
1: So, atheism is really prevalent throughout the punk scene and yeah. especially in west michigan where people were as i was saying reacting to that kind of yeah, stifling yeah, yeah. conservative religious culture hmm. but i never embraced it because the, the kind of Christianity that these people were reacting to, that mm-hmm. they would sing songs about and talk about it. One that was of repression and that was, yeah. you know, dooming huge amounts of the population to fire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just was not my experience yeah. mm-hmm. place to me rather than one that, that established that like, we're the good guys. We're the ones who are saved and everybody else is going to burn mm-hmm. e- eternally in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like super super active in the church. Yeah,
0: you weren't like a Bible
1: boy, just like Arr. Well, it, it depends on what it means to be a Bible boy. I mean, no, I'm like, saying like
0: you didn't greet people with scriptures, like "Good morning, brother." Uh, Luke 12 <laughs> well, says. Yeah, but that also sh- wasn't yeah.
1: what the church. Nobody was like that. Okay, okay. So there were no Bible boys. My, I think my dad is not He's a like, Bible boy by we that definition. were the
0: <laughs> lame Lutherans, Janelle. Relax. Okay. Yeah. So.
1: Um, <laughs> So I, I, yeah, I wasn't like, I mean, I would, I, I went on a bunch of like church youth group trips and stuff throughout my high school years. But, uh, Did that make you a
0: weird guy on the punk scene that like you weren't like a rabid atheist?
1: Not that I ever remember anybody okay. They didn't saying. rib you for it? They didn't, no, didn't nobody ribbed me for okay, it. Okay,
0: okay, it was okay. He was like, okay, that's Micah.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. like yeah, the people I hung out with were, yeah, they were they were affirming. Nobody, I mean, what we we, <laughs> my dad like let us use the the church for like basketball games occasionally Dude. or like hosted vegan potlucks at our huh. house and stuff. I remember- Punk kids played basketball. We had we had like a couple summers of like punk basketball and we, whoa we like it eyeliner
0: and we're hooping <laughs> yeah sure wow <laughs> I if you can find a picture you could maybe think about sending that to me because because <laughs> <laughs> the picture in my mind right now is. It's a little wild. Well, uh-huh. I did never wear eyeliner, but certainly people who were wearing eyeliner
1: were uh, playing playing basketball. So, like you know, the church <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> I thinking of right
0: now is the um, that uh, that that vignette from the Chappelle Show with like Prince and the Revolution playing basketball, just very ornate clothes, and
1: and then my and dad makeup. offered him pancakes in the
0: morning. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> oh fuck! I'm sorry. Go ahead. What <laughs> your, <laughs> my brain is a circus. Um, please. But <laughs> So uh, your 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 parents were encouraging, like they, they were, were encouraging, yeah, okay.
1: and, and and I never felt any kind of pushback about that. And people today still seem to think it's kind of weird, almost, um, huh. that, that 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 I'm still you know very much self-identify as a Christian. As oh, a right on. Um, okay, but but like I said, I mean, why? Uh, for me, for me, it's like I have no reason why I would reject this sure. tradition when it has been nothing but affirming.
0: I got you. I got you. Ah, that okay. That makes you a little different, like as a like. In the current kind of amalgam sure. of you know like the american left that's not not different about it just just yeah, different it's yeah, yeah.
1: different although i would say that um i feel like th- in 2021 there's a little more room for my kind of yeah. vision of religious experience than there was like 20 years ago. sure, like, sure you sure, remember sure. like you know christopher hitchens yeah yeah of, like, yeah rabid atheism yeah it's really annoying it was, like, what it meant to be on the left was like you were going to own yeah. the dumbass Christians, yeah. or whatever you know. So I, I feel like there's less of an appetite for that these days. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank yeah. God.
0: Literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, exactly. Did your parents ever know? I told you we're coming back to dumpster diving because what were you thinking? Did your parents know that that's what you were doing? Oh yeah. What, totally. why Why do you say that with just <laughs> just this wild look on your face i
1: told you my parents were were super supportive so of you were like
0: leave the like hey i'll be back in a couple hours mom and dad i'm gonna hit the dumpster on third like I you would you would announce
1: it i remember my mom one time eating a, an apple fritter donut that i dumpstered from the wesco gas Dog. station down the
0: way no because she
1: of course she was like this is disgusting what are you what are you doing but then when I walk in the door and everything is like packaged and she's like oh, okay so
0: you're going to there is going to be so much trouble for you when this episode drops okay and this was a political act for you
1: Yeah because it was like look all of this food is to, not all of it but like you know you, you're you discerning and you're yeah. like oh this is like this just expired like three hours who, ago what was
0: the name of the motherfucker who convinced you that this was something that like just needed to be done well, was this his, was was his name like randall <laughs> <laughs> I, we were all doing it no no all but somebody it wasn't you you weren't just sitting around your you weren't sitting in your lutheran bedroom like you know what well i might have been because no, you know, this idea didn't come from you. Tell the not truth. Not from me.
1: I'm saying like I may have been in my, my Lutheran, the <laughs> parsonage, you know, the, the house owned by the church on my parents' computer, you know, desktop computer, the 56K dial up. That's right. And I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> just like l- reading about punk stuff and like that was how i found veganism for example was like uh. through a band called anti flags website that had like a link to PETA, and so oh. i like following the links <laughs> and then i'm uh all of a sudden i'm a vegan because i'm watching these horrible animal videos uh-huh. and likewise you know the, like the, it, it was part of a, the subculture so like people around the country would like talk about that this is a way to like fight consumerism like rather than like wasting resources we're gonna dumpster
0: how often and, would you dumpster I love that. That's a verb, also. Yes. How often would you dumpster? Pretty often. What? Um, Give like like four times a month, four times a week. I need a closer to the four times a week, probably. Maybe like for how long?
1: How long? I would say all through high school and the beginning of college. You've gotta you've gotta get a grip. Were you
0: doing your own laundry or your mom was doing your laundry? I was doing my
1: own okay, own good.
0: Laundry. Okay, that's fine. You can do you can do what the fuck you want, but I'm not touching this. I also
1: it's very funny. I mean it was sort of like a fun hobby. It became it almost became like a treasure hunt, you know? There was a supermarket up the way from my parents' this house. This
0: is so white. Go ahead. It's I, I, so I would
1: not deny that it's extremely white. Uh but um there was a grocery store, a supermarket, like five minute bike ride from my parents' house. So mm-hmm. I'd go up there all the time i find all kinds of stuff up there So it became just like a treasure hunt It became like a fun Who,
0: Where were you what, How did you How did you distribute your 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 treasures?
1: Well in Grand Rapids We would dumpster a bunch of uh, produce and stuff And then we would cook it And uh, distribute it to homeless people downtown In, in a college. group called Food Not Bombs In high gotcha. school and in college oh, okay, I would okay. go to Grand Rapids Like I would drive to Grand Rapids oh, gotcha, gotcha, hang gotcha. out with people there uh-huh. And yeah we would do that once a week Nobody night. ever got sick no okay no Do it. okay we're not you should i i, I, don't I will never just listen,
0: just listen to what i'm gonna say micah <laughs> i'm not saying micah, i wash my legs <laughs> i use a washcloth what are you about to say because the answer is already no but go ahead
1: i don't dumpster anymore but you should just look into a supermarket dumpster sometime and just see what it looks like it's not like you know, you're not scraping coffee grounds off of pieces of bologna and then eating the bologna. Like that's not oh? what's going on. No.
0: Okay. Well, describe to me what treasure awaits me at the at the fucking public's dumpster. Tons
1: of perfectly usable produce, often in its own bags, packaged foods that, like I said, just expired the day before or whatever. Uh huh. This is a thing. Okay. It's a thing, and I never once
0: got sick from any of it. Okay you're never going to get coronavirus yeah. your, your immune system has already been heartily steeled wow, okay thank you mom and dad for yeah. allowing
1: me to dumpster all the time thank and build up the immunity for, for... for... <laughs>
0: vitamin dirt all up in my system wow uh... okay that's fine to be clear what i
1: have not dumpstered in well over a decade at this point yeah i hope I'm not, not into it dog? <laughs> what
0: <laughs> said that like it's like that an announced that is something that needs to be noted Come on. Um, okay, that's fine. I did,
1: however, find a PlayStation 2 about 10 years ago in a dumpster that I brought to the co-op I was living in. Yeah, so.
0: that's different. That's not yeah. going in your body. So I'm actually yeah. very okay with that. Right. Not that you care, of course. But <laughs> well, that's... as I said, I'm not doing it anymore. I've moved on in my life. Yeah. I don't want to. We eat like... meat. We're not dumpster diving. Yeah, exactly. We're not arguing with people about the merits of um opposing the kkk no i get it you've you're you are that guy now you're the man (laughs) i got it wow um when you were zooming forward now when you when you decided that okay fine i'll relent and i will go to college what were you thinking about in terms of like study and or maybe like you know that annoying question that everyone bombards 17 year olds with like what are you going to do you know what do you want to do
1: well, I think I, my first declared major was philosophy, hmm. um, and I
0: – what
1: was I going to do? I mean, I like I said, pretty soon after I got there, I was like, yo, this is great. I want to become a college professor. What so, about it seems so great? Well, the, I liked – so it was in strong contrast to the environment in high school where I was like uh, – it just felt stifled. And sure, I didn't and you were uninterested. It and I was uninterested. Mm. I was like – I got to pick – classes that i really enjoyed and like the intellectual engagement was all Mm. of a sudden at a much higher level Mm -hmm. and um so i was like yeah i love this environment i love that i get to sit around and think and talk and read and i'm good at this stuff Mm -hmm. which are you know remain about the only things that i'm still (laughs) thinking and talking and reading um so yeah i that was my my plan for basically once i my friend for my freshman year of college to like the very end of my time in college, I thought I was going to be a college professor. I was going to get a PhD mm. in I, philosophy. No, I moved. I I changed my major to political science and then uh, to sociology, which is what I graduated with a major in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was going to get a PhD in, in
0: sociology. But you want you when you looked out on your life, you thought that you wanted to be a college professor mm-hmm. uh-huh. because you enjoyed the study, you enjoyed the intellectual rigor.
1: And the environment just of like of academia, like mm-hmm. you know, it's here because, you know, in the rest of the world, ideas are not taken seriously and mm-hmm. and, and thinking is often seen as suspect. And mm-hmm. then you get on a college campus and uh, that's all that's going on. Hopefully, there's, there is more of that going on, I mm-hmm. should say. Um, What's
0: so yeah. what, scene did you, or, or was there a scene that you kind of, uh, found your way to after moving away from the punk scene in freshman year?
1: Well, it took a little while to move out of that. Um,
0: because of the strong social ties, the yeah, affection you have for yeah, these people. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean,
1: re- remember I said that I moved to Grand Rapids because I had these social ties. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, so that was part of it. But then I, I fell in with a sort of like student activist crowd, which, mm. um, I was involved in a chapter of United Students Against Sweatshops, which is Mm -hmm. still a really important student labor group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was involved in USAS basically all four years. Um, You know, I eventually, my sophomore year, transferred to Loyola. I somehow went to two Catholic colleges despite Mm -hmm. being very Protestant. Mm -hmm. Um, But both places had delegations that they would send every year to the School of the Americas uh, protests uh, uh, uh. in yeah. Fort Benning, Georgia. Yep. So I went to multiple School of the Americas protests, learned about uh, U.S. intervention in Latin America, yep. and was involved in anti-sweatshop work and anti-war work. That was the other thing, because this was in the mid-2000s, so like height of the Iraq War. So, yeah.
0: During this time, what? how would you describe, think back, how would you describe your your ideology or your politics like, Late high school, maybe first half of undergrad. What? How? How did you make sense of things?
1: Anarchist, which <laughs> is what was dominant on the American left at that time.
0: Describe your particular experience of as an anarchist, um, or your conception of it.
1: Well. Like I said, a lot of it revolved, I mean, not that all versions of anarchism are this way, but mm-hmm. the one that I fell in with, that was especially more than anything else was influenced by Crime Think, that anarchist publishing collective I was talking about, uh-huh. was based on sort of like individualistic, actions like mm-hmm. you, you like know.
0: you becoming a vegan yes you consuming less you that okay why do you think that was attractive to you the individualist kind of um presuppositions of a politic
1: well uh i, I couldn't have articulated this at the time but in hindsight it's like if you're if okay let's say you decide that factory farming is a huge issue Problem, yeah so then the way to fight factory farming is become by becoming a vegan. Mm-hmm. So if you become a vegan, then it's like, oh, yeah, I did what needs to be done. It's uh-huh. like satisfying because you're like, oh, I am fighting uh-huh. this uh-huh. awful system. And you're like, oh, sweatshops are awful. So I'm uh-huh. going to stop consuming. Shopping you know,
0: as not and not like what we would now call just kind of like individualistic, like l-
1: liberal. That's a good question. I think that that's there's a very strong strain of that kind of individualistic, consumeristic uh, politics that was running through the kind of anarchism that I was subscribing to at the time. Um, And, you know, we would, like, organize protests and, like, not very many people would show up, but, like, we were like, okay, well, we're standing strong against these protests Mm -hmm. or against the the Iraq war, even if there's not very many of us. I mean, we sort of, like, got to feel righteous, even though we weren't doing very effective work out in the world. Like, it felt like we were doing all that we could and like our whole lives revolved around it i mean you know like doing anti-war protests organizing them um uh and like serving food to homeless people Mm -hmm. um you know all of that stuff like we spent we took up a lot of our (laughs) efforts and a Mm -hmm. lot of our energies doing that so it it felt like we were living lives that were sort of wholly devoted to the cause of fighting for a better world now Mm -hmm. in hindsight i don't think I accomplished much of anything mm. during that time, mm-hmm. but um, but that was how I felt at the time.
0: What was your conception of fighting for a better world at that time? Was it just less consumerism, less factory farm? Like, do you do you remember?
1: If you had asked me at the time, I'm not sure I would have been able to really answer that question. I would have said some stuff about you know a world without hierarchies and mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of a sort of fleshed out vision for a better world, I don't know what I thought that would have looked like. It was it was one that was mostly done in opposition to the bad things rather than with a particular positive ah, vision. And I, I mean, I felt like I was building that better world that I wanted to live in, mm-hmm. in the punk scene with my, you know, anarchist friends. Like we were building up communities that were not premised on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, consumeristic kind of actions and Mm -hmm. like i was also straight edge so we weren't drinking we like found our home fun in the world Mm -hmm. um like yeah we 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 had this little self-contained universe and it was like man if more people lived like us the world would be a better place
0: interesting and this and this was this um was this basically how things were for you throughout all of undergrad or was it just until you or did things change once you went to loyola Near the end of my
1: time in Grand Rapids, oh. I gave this speech at a punk show that was sort of—I didn't think I was berating people because I, I don't like to berate people. It's not really who I am, but mm-hmm. many people felt I was berating them mm-hmm. um, about just the kind of fact that we were talking about about the like the punk girl. I do my own shit type mm-hmm. of. Uh, mentality, and I was like, We're organizing these protests, and like people aren't coming out to them. You guys are singing these songs that say you believe in this kind of stuff, and yet, like, I, I, we don't have any punk kids coming out to these protests that we're trying mm-hmm, to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to a, a bunch of acrimony within the ah. scene. People mm-hmm. were really mad at me. Um, and so I was that that was sort of easing me out of that scene. And then when I finally decided to move to Chicago. Um, I mean, I moved here with basically like the, the punk was a sort of uh, thing in the in past. Your rear at that rear point. Rear,
0: what yeah. was what was the but like what was the most salient like reason you had for a ch- a changing schools, transferring? Was it to get away from the Western Michigan punks, or was it you know there was a stronger program at Loyola, or you found a foxy lady in Chicago? Like, what was the situation?
1: <laughs> I had um, I, I realized that I had stayed in Grand Rapids in part out of a fear Mm -hmm. of striking out and creating a new life somewhere. What
0: about that? Like what brought you to that realization?
1: Part of it was, um, what did bring me to that? I mean, part of it was sort of like running up against these brick walls of, the life like i was like okay i stayed in grand rapids to organize with like other anarchists and punk kids and Mm -hmm. then i'm like oh wait a minute these Hmm. they all hate me because i just gave this speech and they're like not i can't even get them to come out to an anti-kkk rally Uh. um so i'm sort of frustrated with them um and then also i spent two summers at this uh lutheran retreat center Mm -hmm. in the uh cascade mountains in washington Mm -hmm. and just had some like intense sort of personal uh, revelations there, thinking about. about my life and and thinking mm-hmm. about like I was I remember thinking specifically, oh, you've been sort of clinging to this life that you had growing up in Muskegon, and part of you actually wants to break free from that and like. What see did what you else want to break free there. from? Just from like the 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 life that i had built in, like i thought when i moved to grand Rapids, I was like this is where i want to be for the rest of my life i mm-hmm. want to like be around these people i have this political project have these same friends etc mm-hmm. and then so there's like a disillusionment with them and so i'm like oh i, I came to realize it at this retreat center called mm-hmm. holden village mm-hmm. in uh, washington i was like oh i actually want to like break free from this and like start a new like i'm 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 interested in what life could look like if I were to like leave all of that behind and like start leave away
0: out. the fantasy of, of the, of the thing that ended up disillusioning you.
1: more like leave the comfort of, um, of the world that I had lived in since I was in high school, uh-huh. you know, this sort of punk and anarchist world and mm-hmm. the same friends, uh, et cetera, And, and just try something completely new and different and difficult mm. and, and, and have the, you know, the, the chutzpah to uh, go live that different life and, you know, move to a city where I didn't know anybody, which is what I did.
0: Okay, and moving to Chicago was was the big shift that was going to help, or that was the big action that was going to help precipitate that shift.
1: Yes, I would also say, if you want more on this subject. Yeah, I do. Um, that There was a religious aspect to this hmm. in that I was reading... Paul Tillich, who mm. was one of the most important theologians of the 20th century, was a Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading his ideas about idolatry mm. and the idea of, um, like, you know, the, one of the Ten Commandments is, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And mm-hmm. uh, we think about that as, like, oh, don't, I don't know, don't worship Satan or whatever. Right, don't right. worship the golden calf. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. you know. But what he, he talks about what that really means is, like, don't make things into gods ah. that you invest your whole mm. self and your whole life into. Uh, that that is its own kind of idolatry. Yeah, and yeah, I sort yeah. of realized that I was doing that in my life, that ah. I, I was being idolatrous in, in my sense of like what what kind of life I wanted to live mm. and who I wanted to be and what my identity markers were, mm-hmm. like being punk, being an anarchist, being a vegan, et cetera, being straight edge. Mm-hmm. So... When I was at this retreat center, I was all of a sudden just struck by like, oh my God, like I am living ah. this like idolatrous life. And and what it means to live an idolatrous life is not, you know, oh, you're, you're being bad and you're going to go to hell. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you're not living life in the fullest way you possibly yeah, could. Yeah, you're yeah, clinging yeah. to the old That's gods right. ah. and, and and you're not like yeah. living in the fullness of life. Ah. So that is, that, that kind of revelation uh, was a big part of why I decided I needed to you know, chip up. Mm-hmm. Ship out of uh, Grand Rapids and okay.
0: country. Oh, how did life change for you? And like, what what was kind of this new beginning? I don't know if that's too dramatic to say, but like, what was what, what marked that? And kind of how did you experience it? Did you lose your fucking mind when you came to Chicago? Uh, a little bit. Well, how did you lose your mind? I need a crazy story. Yeah, no, right now. Well, mm-hmm.
1: I'll, I'll come. I'll try to come up with a crazy story. But the main thing—he's <laughs> not going to
0: give what one. Uh, the the main
1: thing that happened yeah. was that. You know, I lived my whole life as a pastor's son, mm-hmm. which means like you're, you know, you're a little mini celebrity in this little mm-hmm. world. You're the only mm-hmm. pastor's son, so you know, I I grown up in the church, and then I I moved to Grand Rapids, where I was like had a firm place within a community and mm-hmm. lots of friends. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Chicago, and I didn't know a single person. Mm-hmm. Here. And it was it was mid uh, mid year, mid school year. It was January 20, 2007. Mm-hmm. and so it was you know freezing cold in Chicago. Yeah. And I was moved into a dorm where I like couldn't meet other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was—it was like the loneliest I've ever been, Whoa. probably mm-hmm. uh, in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just like all—I went from having a whole world and, and and institutions and people and stuff that made sense, and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> there's nothing there anymore. It's just so. you. That was sort of like existentially difficult, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was what were those first couple of months like?
1: It was just very lonely. I mean, I. I, uh, you know, I wanted to take advantage of everything that Chicago had to offer. So I was like going to concerts and doing all that kind of stuff. But I was like doing so by Mm -hmm. myself, Mm -hmm. you know, the classic uh, feeling of being surrounded by enormous numbers of people, millions of people, and yet feeling totally alone. That's what I was doing.
0: When did that change for you?
1: Probably when I got involved in more student activism in Loyola,
0: still, still around the issues of uh, anti-war and anti sweatshop or new yeah, ones? I
1: mean there <laughs> were there were anti-war groups on campus. There was another chapter of United Students Against Sweatshops. Um, as I said, there were people who did the trek to uh, Georgia every year for the School of the Americas. So there was a lot of that same kind of infrastructure, and mm-hmm. eventually plugged into it but it kind of it took a while to do i would say Mm
0: -hmm. and were you still at at what point did it did your idea about becoming uh like a full-time career academic phd when did that change
1: it was my very last semester of college
0: um you still owe me a crazy story by the way please don't think i forgot yeah no 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 go ahead i have
1: to say my i'm pretty my life is really not that crazy micah don't do that don't do that i'm trying to
0: think I got to come back to it. Okay. I don't know. All right. Last semester. Yeah, right. The look on your face right now tells me there's a whopper that you are trying to avoid talking about. I'm thinking really hard. I'm trying my best. You don't have to like go full Lutheran, I know. I get it. You're, you know, you were you, whatever, but I know that there's there's some crazy shit that happened. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna think hard about it. Yeah, okay. Um <clears throat> the the change happened when <laughs> It was. I remember that several important events yeah. in this. Nobody has ever asked me this stuff. By yeah, way. This is this is this is very useful for my own purposes. <laughs> um, it, the first thing was I was in a, I I was a, a selected to go to the American Sociological Association conference in 2008, like the big academic uh-huh. thing. They had like an undergraduate program, so I went, uh-huh. and um, I just saw some of uh, the like all stars of certain you know of sociology like social justice sociology mm-hmm. and i was just like so underwhelmed by them why like, these people are not serious they're they they're so like smug mm. and like what their research that they're presenting on has nothing to do with like actually changing the world
0: ah park right there why what what do you mean when you say that or what did you mean when you were thinking that
1: i mean i thought i, I would say that the Part of the reason I wanted to become an academic was because I thought I I could change the world through mm. academia. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can. There are there is a role to play for, for people who want to change the world in academia, certainly. But like I was just seeing the way that people would sort of talk about some of these issues that they that they you know were experts in and it was so disconnected from reality mm. and at the same time i was getting involved in union organizing mm. which is the second second piece of this so mm-hmm. i'm i'm having like pretty intense experiences with union organizing in chicago on the ground, chicago, on the ground yeah. exactly and then i'm like seeing these these academics like highfalutin academics and they're just like obnoxious and they're like
0: obnoxious and dis what
1: and and totally disconnected from yeah. the lives yes. of the people and whatever that's that's true of academia in sure. general right cuz sure. it's like it operates in this rarefied world i mean obviously we know that the plenty of people who work in academia are like making poverty wages etc yeah, 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 yeah. but like in that in in that conference room yeah. I was like This is a totally just. This has nothing to do with the Black and Latino hotel workers, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is the union that I was getting involved in. Unite Here Local One, like the the kind of uh, their lives and their organizing that I was learning about from them, Mm -hmm. uh, like in literal you know one on one conversations. I was like, that has nothing to do with what these left sociologists are sure, talking about, sure. despite the fact that they would say that they're doing their work on behalf of such Yeah, people. yeah, yeah, I see. So I just became increasingly disillusioned it with was that.
0: A, There was a disconnect in terms of the relevance of yes. the scholarship and or, you know, the reproduction of knowledge that was going on that you were seeing and how this was and how this was ah, separate from uh you know any any material gains or or the 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 negotiating the material conditions that people were actually experiencing yes yeah yeah, yeah. okay um
1: and like i said that's just sort of inherent to academia or magazines right i mean i'm a fucking magazine and i'm not (laughs) out organizing workers anymore um but uh so it's it's not that like there's there are some leftists who would be like oh fucking academics and yeah. magazine writers they're just totally useless uh and you know they're not doing the real work i don't i think there is an important role for intellectual sure, work course. obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. um but i was just so struck at that level mm-hmm. of of disconnect was there I...
0: something in particular where it's just like oh no no i don't want this the one in particular
1: like, i was i was yeah. trying not to name a name but whatever what do i care yeah what the fuck do um, you care the it was a presentation by
0: <laughs> go ahead I'm sorry it was a presentation
1: by the sociologist Patricia Hill Collins
0: ooh yikes uh, I, I think sorry. I know where we're going <laughs> but please go there well
1: mm-hmm. i just that I don't even remember a lot of the specifics of what she was presenting yikes. on. I was just like this is so dis-. and she was one of the most uh, I think she was president of the ASA either at that time or near that time <clears throat> mm-hmm. so I was like this is this is one of the stars yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like what she's saying just has nothing to offer, like movements like the one that I was trying mm-hmm. to be a part of yeah. uh, in, in Chicago, like in the labor movement. Mm-hmm. It just it felt like completely, completely disconnected. Ah,
0: ah, ah. OK, but but I'm saying what about her presentation or there was discuss- both
1: the content of what she was saying, which, again, I can't remember specifically yeah, some yeah. of the some of the what, what she was arguing for. But then there was also just the smugness of the presentation, mm. and
0: smug in terms of the 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 way she reached her conclusions, smugness in the logics that she was employing, smugness in just the the rhetorical delivery. What?
1: I don't want to. Oh God! And also, I'm I'm saying this about a black woman sociologist, so now I'm like oh, something like a, like a racist a sexist asshole. You get a pass. You're um, sitting
0: with this <laughs> sis. You know, whatever. I, I've got you covered. Go I, ahead. I'm just just say sort it. of
1: like uh, we should back up the Joe, truck now. Relax. Um, it was actually and you know it wasn't it wasn't just her specifically it was like the the vibe of the room and the contributions of other sociologists who were like including like white men in the room yeah yeah and it just okay you also don't have
0: to do that right now. no
1: no no, well i'm saying i'm just remembering the scene and i'm i'm just telling you the truth i mean it's just like nobody in this room Uh all everybody in this room is a self-styled fighter for social justice and nobody in this room based on what they're saying, is making a contribution to tangibly making the world a better place. And in fact, they're just sort of like patting themselves on the back about like knowing the right lingo and sort of like being able to utter the right phrases. That's right. Perform the right catechism. Yeah, it's about a
0: perform an in-group Performance, not yes. actually about the people we claim to care about. Yes. Okay, but say what you were going to say about Patricia Hill Collins. No, the, just that
1: it was a Patricia Hill Collins. But I'm saying, what
0: about it was smug? I'm, I'm asking.
1: I thought uh, her her the way that she was like, and this is. This, to, I I think this is still present on the left very strongly. Sure. It was like it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna say some shit about <laughs> like how bad racism is in America, mm-hmm. and like you're not ready for
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> You're Don't not, do that. You're not ready to <laughs> hear it. But we're not ready, ready to ready? have oh, that conversation. I, should I give it to him on time? <laughs>
1: should I tell him? Should I tell him the truth? <laughs> and everybody's like, "Yeah, go." And like every it's just all so gross to me. Like it was it was not <laughs>
0: oh <my goodness>.
1: serious. <laughs> about oh. uh, it was not serious about fighting racism.
0: It was just about like how I just need can to drop I... the mic so that people come up to me they're like, <laughs> 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 "Doctor Collins, I I think the kids say that. Stop blew saying your
1: name, Liz. I got no. I got no beef with.
0: with <laughs> no, TJ no. I'm not saying that you do. I'm just <laughs> saying I understand. I, uh, without having been there, I exactly understand the uh, the dynamic. So like that she was, she
1: was establishing that vibe, and then like other people, she
0: was making a spice. She was trying to like spice it up, right? Spice it up for these white bread academics yeah. and like be the you know the truth telling no yeah, 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 now, yeah. I, you know, now yeah, i'm getting exactly. in trouble yeah yeah but and you were just like and then people were eating ears. it up yeah, and yeah. people
1: were like i just remember people in the room i remember somebody saying something about like iraq the war in iraq and then like people start yelling that he was like pronouncing iraq wrong i don't even remember what the what the what the, yeah there's yeah. just like stuff happening where i'm like the, the kind of jockeying that is going on in this room right. the kind of posturing is like not what it actually takes yeah to change the world. Yeah, that's right. Um and so I was just left that being like
0: You had hey. a, you had a bad taste in your mouth and you were like, oh actually I can't I can't I can't be a part of this. And actually yes. be like fulfilled in what I actually want to do, which is to change the world. To okay. make the world a, a, okay. a better place. <laughs> What does our erstwhile anarchist dumpster diver get into next? Well, tune into part two and find out. Part two is up on Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's left to do. All Patreon episodes will be unlocked after 14 days. And if Patreon isn't your thing, we'd love to get your one-off support so we can keep this thing going head on over to what's left to do.com/support and leave us a little something in the tip jar. <laughs> okay, see you over on Patreon.